Boundless Audio Podcast Network. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Everybody, welcome to I'm Gonna Need More Wine, a podcast in which I talk about TV shows and movies with special guests while enjoying a glass or two of wine. This is Jocelyn, and as always, I am thrilled to have podcast fave Candy back with me this week. Candy, say hello to the lovely listeners. Hi, everybody. Glad to be back. Yes, yes, yes. So lately, I have just with respect to the podcast, I've just been going through my greatest hits. I have a very long list of shows that I love, that I love to watch, that I have not yet talked about. And so right now, that's just that's just my element right now. Now, the last few episodes, um, as Candy very aptly pointed out um, during our last episode, which is out now on Spartacus, I've been thinking a lot about the Roman Empire. And we're going to get back to the Roman Empire eventually, but decided to take a brief detour from thinking about the Roman Empire, <laughs> Empire this week, although it is always near and dear to my thoughts. Well, not dear, but it's always in my thoughts. I don't know that I I reflect on it fondly. I think I reflect on it more so as, I mean, if you like history, it's just a really interesting time period. Okay, I digress. Anyhow, this week, we're talking about a show that features one of my other absolute favorite types of writing, absolute favorite types of shows, which you all know because I talked about it like nonstop on here before. Y'all know I love me some messy, messy women. And the women, other than like Annalise Keating, who I've talked about with Sheena when we talked about the How to Get Away with Murder pilot, or like Gemma Telemara on Sons of Anarchy, I don't know that the women get any messier than the three at the center of the NBC series Good Girls, starring Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman. But first, before we get into these messy ladies, Candy, what are you drinking this week? So I'm still on my uh, my juice kick. So this week I am doing a cran raspberry. Oh, I love that. I was just thinking about, <laughs> I was working on a grocery list and I put some cran grape juice on the list because of hey. our last conversation when we talked about Spartacus, which you should absolutely check out. You need to listen to our episode on Spartacus. Candy was drinking cran grape and it's been on my mind ever since. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. good. Um, so it's middle of the afternoon, like brunch time on a Sunday, my time. So I am drinking sangria. That should come as a surprise to no one. And many thanks to Candy, who is up very, very, very early in her time zone <laughs> to make this work. So eternally grateful for that. And y'all, this is your reminder, friendly reminder, that we drink, we know things, we use adult language, and we have a great time. Candy, let's get into it. Oh, wait, actually, before we get into it, into it, let me just set some ground rules just in case this is the first time you're checking us out. So as a reminder, when we do our little boozy beginnings pilot discussions or generally discussions about anything, we don't really do like blow by blow scene recaps. We talk about themes and impressions and we will dig into certain scenes in specificity when it's appropriate. And our discussion will be limited to the pilot only, although, you know, we may dabble in some larger uh, reflections, particularly with, with the show like this um, that got canceled and didn't get renewed. We may have some thoughts about that. And, and so I don't consider that to be a spoiler that a show is no longer on the air. So consider yourselves warned about that. Um, 
Okay, that's it. That's the ground rules. That that's that's how the conversation goes. I usually, as Candy Fullwell knows now, I think I've lost count of how many pilots we've discussed, but she knows that I like to start out by talking about like the opening act, the opening hook, because that's typically that's the writers trying to get you to not switch over to something comfortable and familiar after like the first 90 seconds of a show. I had a little bit of difficulty this week trying to decide, do we talk opening act or do we just get right into character introductions? Because the opening is so deeply character driven and that's a good thing, but so deeply character driven in a way that a lot of other shows that we covered haven't been. But nonetheless, because this opening act has such a shocker at the very end, uh, there's no way that we couldn't sort of talk about that. So we're going to start there and then we'll get into character introductions. So Candy, I already know, I was going to ask you, had you watched Good Girls? But Candy has watched Good Girls. So I'm just going to skip that question. And um, I'm going to get into that shocker. I mean, what did you think? Could you remember back to like when you first watched this pilot, just sort of what your feelings were when you like you get through these introductions into these women, you see them as mothers. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail shortly. But then it sort of culminates in this moment where bitches fin to rob a grocery store. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, what is happening here? Do you remember how you felt about that? And just give me any thoughts that you have about that. Yeah. So I was down with the good girls from the jump. I remember, so I, I watched it. In real time, live, I was excited about the show and I stuck with it. So <clears throat> I remember from the promos, they um they were talking about like they they were robbers, and I I always found the um concept intriguing, like because it was clear too that these were like housewives and moms. So I was always intrigued with the how. I was like, how? Yeah. How are they robbing something? And will it be successful? And if it is, how? How are they going to successfully rob anything? So it like it was a good hook. It got my interest. And then in the filming of it, with Beth like snapping off, I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> I want. I would like to see more. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to blame this on NBC. You know, Candy and I have discussed several great NBC shows, one of them being Grand Crew. You should definitely check out our episodes on that amazing show. And in our conversation about Grand Crew, we talked about how with NBC, sometimes they fail to properly promote shows. So this was a show that was not on my radar. I don't remember promotions about it. I don't remember anything. Um, But it was something that would always come up like on Netflix and you know when Netflix is like okay because you watch X, Y, and Z you should check out the show I knew I liked there's very few there's very little that I liked about Mad Men I did like Christina Hendricks so I was like okay I loved Parenthood so I love Mae Whitman and of course I mean anybody that's watched Parks and Rec if you didn't like Donna I just don't know I don't know about your life choices. Everyone loves Retta. So I see you know I see that this is a show featuring these three women and I'm like okay let me just you know, give it a try. This was after season one, because I did, after I binged the first season on Netflix, I did become like a live viewer. I would watch every week faithfully. You know, it was appointment TV for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really loved that opening twist. And so I said, I gave all that backdrop because I had no idea. I went into this pilot. Oh, okay. You didn't know that they were robbers. They were robbers. <laughs> I had no clue whatsoever. I, I knew nothing about the premise of the show. So it was a huge shocker to me. I'm like, I'm <laughs> nice. 
We doing what now? They about to go in and rob the who and the what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, so I, I thought it was really, I love, love, love that. Um, this pilot also reminded me a lot of the Barry pilot, another show that Candy and I talked about. Because, you know, with Barry, you get this juxtaposition, right? Of like, like the slice of life, the whole hum life moments against like a shocking, jarring revelation about the characters whose world you're being introduced to. Like obviously with Barry, it's him being an assassin, which is on a whole different level. But you know, here, like, you know, we see folks making school lunches, attending presentations at school, continuing with the school drop-off line, and they apparently rob grocery stores. That was a lot to to sort of pack into that opening act, but I just thought it was all very well done and just really balanced in terms of like introducing us to the women who otherwise seem quite relatable and using that as a lead into the shocking revelation. Um, and 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 I guess sort of the larger assumption you can make based off the, the scene about, you know, whatever might be their secret life of criminal activity. Um, and, and so I guess, this is a bit of like 2020 hindsight, but I also liked the choice in the opening to feature all three women because it, this could have easily been an opening that just, for example, could have been strictly focused on Beth. And then, you know, you see her slice of life moments. Then you go to the grocery store, grocery store robbery, and you see her with two other women. They could have totally made that choice to not give us all three of them in the opening. And I'm so glad that they did feature all three of them. And I do think that that it is, I couldn't appreciate it at the time I was watching the pilot, but now having watched, you know, the whole first season and subsequent seasons, I think it's a nice sort of signal and introduction to sort of how the writers approach this show, at least in the first two seasons, is that it's truly an ensemble cast that, you know, all three of these characters matter. So we're going to start you with all three of them rather than sort of putting one front and center and then, you know, slowly as the pilot progresses, then introducing you to the others. So I, I did really like that. And I don't think that that sort of dawned on me. Like I said, I couldn't appreciate that until I had watched more of the show to understand sort of the the importance of featuring all three of them. Mm. Um, Anything else on that opening sort of shocking twist before we get into these women specifically in these in these introductions into them? Well, I want to give a shout out to the um, the first part of the opening. So the show itself opens with uh, Retta plays Ruby and her daughter making a very impassioned speech about women kicking butt and <laughs> taking doing it for themselves. And I really loved that. Um, Retta's daughter is played by a little girl, Lydia Jewett. And I love that little girl. She's been in a couple of things that I've loved. So I hope she gets a great, wonderful career. She's a beautiful little baby who I think is a teenager now. But I just really loved the opening scenes of her yelling, we're going to burn the patriarchy down. <laughs> and also her trying to ignite a lighter next to her um, oxygen tank, which is very ill-advised. But um the audience did not deserve that child. Um, Ruby was the only one supporting her daughter as she should be. And she was hyping me up. I was very hyped. So excellent speech. Yes. Overall. 
I also had that in my notes, but to me, it's not just not even getting so far as towards the end of the speech. What I thought was so compelling about using Sarah's speech as the backdrop is that it's the very start of the speech is about how women can do anything. They can be anything. And I think it ends like the first part of the speech ends with, you know, they have truly broken the glass ceiling. So you hear Sarah's words, but as you hear Sarah's words in the backdrop, what you're seeing in front of you are three women who I actually it starts Mon- with Beth. It's actually Beth who who, who are living exactly. Otherwise, you know, it, I don't know. I don't want to characterize it as mundane because fair, fair, yeah, there's yeah. there's value, there's all that. But yeah. it makes you question hearing those words against the backdrop, starting with Beth in particular, you know, making the school lunches for her kids, it makes you wonder whether or not those women feel in terms of their current state of life, whether they feel whether they have fulfillment. It, it's it to me, it was a very obvious, like intentional choice to have that juxtaposition about, you know, this little girl talking about all of the possibilities and then sort of juxtaposing that to sort of what we see, like the day-to-day reality looks like for these women. And it makes you question a lot, like Barry, like, you know, are these people, they feel like they're in a rut, you know, like, I think it's okay to say it's mundane because I think that what we learn in this pilot is that for Beth, it probably does feel mundane. It might not feel mundane for everyone, but for Beth, it probably did. I think that's what the writers are telling us. But yes, I agree that that was such a smart choice to to sort of have those words in the background as we initially see um, what a day in the life of these three women looks like. So with that in mind, let's talk about Beth in particular, Um, because I really did like how the writers used like all three all three of these women are mothers all three of these women have you know different family dynamics and I like how they use that as a lens to sort of introduce us to them because we just sort of walk through you know first it's Beth then it's Annie then it's Ruby like how we become acquainted with them through this comparison of like their lives as partners mothers or what have you so Rather than talking about them all collectively, I want to talk about them separately. So I want to start, Candy, with Beth and talk about those opening scenes with her, with Sarah's powerful words in the background. Talk to me about your initial impressions before we get to the grocery store robbing and some of the, you know, the the, the long list of things that happened to Beth in the course of the episode. I want to just really, really start on that first introduction with her in the home, with Sarah's words in the background. What were your impressions? So for me, I didn't watch Mad Men. I, well, I feel like, I think I might have watched an episode or two, and I was like, this ain't my thing. So <laughs> like young Sarah, I am all about the burning down of the patriarchy. So was never um, interested in Mad Men. I had heard about Christina Hendricks because I know she made a splash on that show, but Good Girls was my first introduction to her. So while watching Good Girls, I thought, okay, I get it. Because Christina Hendricks, I was like, okay, I get everyone's obsession. She is sexy as hell. She can play she can play sweet, but she has spice. 
So, but in our introduction to Beth, I remember thinking Stepford wife, like she's yeah. the poster. She's like the poster child of perfect wife and mother. She's making the lunches for everybody, including the husband and getting everybody ready to go and has a sweet smile on her face. And that's Beth. That was the impression I got of her. Yeah, I agree. If, if I could interview the showrunner, um, for good girls, I would love to ask them a little bit more about the choice for Beth to have four kids um, versus <laughs> Ruby. You know, Ruby has two, Annie has one, because I do think there is something about Beth having like that many kids that makes sense for her. And it sort of helps kind of create this landscape of her life that we're, you know, getting introduced to in this opening scene with her. Um, I also... Something else has struck me about Beth. I agree. It, it definitely gave Stepford wife, but it's like Stepford wife with an eye twitch because something <laughs> is bubbling and bothering her beneath the surface. And I think case in point, I mean, I think there are a few things that signal to that. I mean, first, she's married to this ridiculously cheesy car salesman who uses corny sales lines like when pigs fly and televised commercials that are absolutely cringy. I, I don't know. Like I'd like to think that I would support my spouse in anything that they would want to do, but I we'd have to have a conversation about those commercials. Like, come on, there's got to be a better way to present what it is that you want to do. Like it's cringy, babe. It's cringy. But even then, putting that aside, like maybe you can roll up the cringy. What I thought was super telling about this opening with Beth is that, you know, she finishes the lunches, the kid, you know, she's got the lunches lined up. It's four for the kids. It's one for Dean. When each kid comes to pick up their lunch, she says, I love, you know, love you, love you, love you, love you. Then she gets to Dean though. Dean doesn't get a love you. Dean gets a, it's tuna. So just be sure that you put it in the fridge. And then it's Dean who says, love you. And she does not return that sentiment. <laughs> and so obviously we know what unfolds in the pilot, but I mean, just thinking about that in and of itself, that's why, like to me, her not saying it back, her being very sort of like matter of fact, transactional, like, listen, here's your lunch. You know, I know you don't think about these things. You give no thought into sort of what I prepare for you and the things I do for you, but be sure, dummy, to put this in the refrigerator. It's going to funk <laughs> up everything, and it's probably going to make you sick if you try to eat it. If you don't put the tuna in the fridge, go get out of my face. Go make your stupid commercials. Go away. It's like Stepford Wife with an eye twitch. Is, That's is the perfect. Best way I, I yes. can explain it. That is perfect. I think that is it exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so now let's talk about the rest of the episode and the rest of our introduction into Beth and this pilot and your overall thoughts about her. So I really loved it for her. I feel like um, in the beginning, like you said there, it seems like um, <clears throat> there might be things bubbling under the surface. And for Beth, her morning routine might be a little mundane. And by the end of the episode, um, Beth, gets to snap a bit and I loved that so much for her by the end I was yelling go off Beth I was like go off Beth I was in full support of her moment of as Sarah said in her speech taking her life into her own hands <laughs> I was like hell yes Beth do it girl do it for every woman that isn't doing it right now so loved it 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's really a testament. I think Christina Hendricks does, she does such a good job at portraying a woman who is clearly on the brink of snapping. I think we first, <laughs> I mean, I think there are two things that are at play and that, you know, that what I call the step up with an eye twitch scene, because I do think it's absolutely the tension with Dean, but isn't that also the day they robbed the bank? Isn't that the morning or isn't that what it's meant to be? Because, you know, one of the kids tries to pretend like they're not feeling good and she's sort of, you know, she shuts him down. But she's also, oh. kind of like, she's also kind of like rushing them out. Like, please get the fuck out of here. Because she says at some point, mommy has things to do today. I really need yeah. y'all to take fucking lunches and get the fuck out of my face <laughs> so I can go rob this grocery store. Mommy has a plan to execute on. Good catch. I didn't think about that. Yes, I do think so. That this yeah. is all three of their views the morning of the robbery. That That's what I, I mean. I think so. That It's a little bit. I feel like it's clearer with Beth. I think it's less clearer with Annie and Ruby. And it makes me wonder if like maybe they wrote this one way and then decide. I, I, it's a little bit weird because I, I because I don't know that I get that same strong impression with the other two, but it definitely feels like it's the morning of the robbery. Because, uh, but I think it is. I think it is for all three of them. So anyhow, um, I think Christina is so very good at portraying a woman who's clearly on the brink of snapping. I love how she, you know, we see sort of this full kind of spectrum of, of her trying to lampshade, turn a blind eye, compartmentalize, deal with it, cope, and not make it a thing. It's like, you know what? This is my life, and I'm just going to deal with it. I mean, even, like, the weird act that Annie calls out of her, like, you know, cutting chicken fingers into stars. They're chicken fingers, babe. Why are you doing this? What What is this? What? Why are you wasting your time with this? <laughs> I love everything about her performance from the moment she finds out that Dean bought those teeny tiny panties for his stupid bimbo um, commercial, you know, car dealership uh, assistant, whatever the hell she is, to it goes from like that revelation and then she goes to like the quiet, tearful reflection and then she goes full-blown waiting to exhale with the scratches yes. <laughs> and then she does one of my favorite things is sitting in the dark and just waiting for the motherfucker. <laughs> like, okay, I have I have thanks to that sledgehammer, I have worked out all of my physical <laughs> anger so now stages. I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to quietly sit here in the dark until you bring your your funky ass home and I'm just going to quietly and very, you know, steadily just let you have it. But I'm also going to do it in a manner that's going to creep you the fuck out. Because again, like I said, I'm going to sit here in the dark and when you go in the refrigerator, I'm going to let you know, I'm going to give you a heads up. Hey bitch, I drank all the good liquor. You should be concerned. You should be asking yourself why I finished off the good liquor and I'm sitting here in the dark awake waiting for your fucking ass to come home i just loved everything about the way that it was written but it's really the execution it's the way that christina hendrick does it um and and i just i am someone i love a good pop-off but i love a pop-off that starts with like a simmer and then like <laughs> escalates to like a full rapid boil and i thought that was exactly sort of the trajectory that we see beth on in in this episode and it's not just like in her 
her, you know, things with Dean, but it's also like similar to a rapid boil with the robbery plan. It's like, you know, she first, she, her initiative is like, y'all are being ridiculous. She goes from y'all are being ridiculous to like, okay, I'm playing this shit out down to the second. Here's what we're doing, <laughs> girls. Like, I, I love that. And it all feels believable and it makes me feel like, okay, I, I feel like I understand this character. It's one episode and I feel like I know so much and understand so much about this character and like how they function and how they act and why they act the way that they do. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. So shifting gears over to Beth's little sister, Annie, same question that we started off with Beth, um, Candy. I'd like to talk about sort of that initial impression of Annie at the top of the episode. Sarah's words are the backdrop. We're seeing, you know, sort of the the opening moments. Again, I do think this is the morning of the robbery, but we're seeing what that looks like for Annie. What were your initial impressions about Annie? Okay, so I love Mae Whitman very, so very, very much. I adore pretty much all of her work and follow her on socials. I think I knew about Good Girls because I follow Mae Whitman and Retta on socials. So, and out of the, out of Beth, Annie, Ruby, Annie's my favorite character. So interesting. I love Annie. She is a hot mess and, and that's and point blank period. She's a hot mess throughout yep. this entire show. She's a hot mess. And I, I just love Annie and the whole show. I was rooting for her to get a win. I just wanted Annie to, to get a solid win. So that became my <laughs> goal for the show. I, I just love Annie. She is doing the best that she can. And she is a very active and loving and supportive mom even though it is clear that she became a mom at a very young age and probably wasn't prepared for it mm-hmm. or ready for it, but she does it with her whole heart. And I just loved this character. She hustles backwards a lot and she stays true to herself, which is a hot mess throughout the show. And I was, I was okay with it. I was down with Annie. Indeed, she does. Uh, Annie is like a, a walking, talking fictional um, portrayal of that Mariah Carey. It's one of my favorite videos of her. It's like a meme video where she's like, I'm just trying to do the best with what I got. <laughs> and, and, and the end of the video starts off with like the, the beat from Benjamin's drop. The ben, you know, it's so like, that's what Annie is to me. The writers pack so much in with Annie. Mm-hmm. I think, I think of these three, they pack in the most with her in this sort of opening sequence. And and I it's it's amazing. Look, and, and that's that's a credit to them. And so I'm glad that they worked out their contracts. And now I would like the powers that be or the idiots in charge to work out their agreements with SAG so that we can get all of this talent back to work and 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 bringing us magic. Um, but yeah, because just to your point, we learned she's a single mom, struggling financially. You know, I loved i have to give a personal anecdote sadie being embarrassed by annie's busted down car and being <laughs> like okay i need you to draw me off way back here so a thousand years ago when i was a child we didn't have like full-blown like drop off lines i do understand that's like now a thing with schools they have drop off lines but my mom was a young single mom before she met my stepfather 
And she used to drive this busted down yellow Ford Maverick. Y'all just Google it. You're going to have to Google like Ford (laughs) Maverick car because apparently there have been some subsequent Mavericks that are like trucks. And I think they're made, I can't remember what company makes them. But if you like type in like 70s, 80s, like Ford Maverick, you will get a picture of Maverick because I had to look it up. Y'all, my mom's, it was yellow. It was beat down. It was rusty. Um... (laughs) The cars, when you look at them in pictures now, you're like, you know what? It was kind of a cool car, but it did not feel like that to young Jocelyn when she was in elementary school. And Um, that car would constantly fucking break down at the worst, most inopportune moments. Like, you know, we're coming out of parent-teacher conference and we're sitting in the car and my mom is just sitting there cranking it and cranking it and cranking it. It's like, oh, damn come on maverick come on like i remember her talking to the car like please don't do this right now please don't do this right now like which is you know we could laugh at it in hindsight but when i when i think about that it does give me a greater because my mom like i said young single she was raising my little black ass and i'm sure that when she's like trying to talk to this stupid maverick she's probably also like i don't want to have to pay to have to get this shit fixed i really need you maverick to get your your act together but i hated that car it was it was just (laughs) so rusty and crusty and broken down and like the doors were super heavy and creaky and I would be so embarrassed when my mom would have to like drop me off at school or we have a school function um and I don't think I mean I was much younger than Sadie is in this pilot so I definitely was like not a kid who would be like no mom you have to drop me off back here or mom you get <laughs> would not say that. I would not have said that shit to my mom as a child, particularly at that age. I wouldn't have had the wherewithal to like voice those kinds of things. But even as a teenager, I would not have voiced that to my mother because, you know, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for Annie, but all I can speak is I can speak for my black ass mama who'd be like, well, well, bitch, you can walk. She would have called me a bitch, but she would have definitely sent an invitation for me to walk or, you know, take public transportation if I had a problem with what she was dropping me off in. Um, so yeah, that that sort of unlocked or reminded me of a distinct like child memory, like when you're just like dying a thousand deaths of the inside, like please car, please don't do anything. Please don't do any like your mere existence is embarrassing. Please don't do anything to to sort of exacerbate or or add on to the embarrassment. So I that it hit a soft spot, but it also made me laugh. Um, but I love the dynamic between Sadie and Annie. It's very interesting. I agree. Annie is one of my favorite characters from this show. Um, and I, and, and to your point, she she does, when it comes to the people that she loves, she does. She works, it's her whole heart. She puts all of it into it. Um, but there are also some things that are concerning. Um, she, there's some some, I think, red flags from a parenting perspective that we see in this very <laughs> opening scene. I mean, frankly, it's the it's the it's very clear that there's someone that's playing the role of the responsible adult and then there's the actual parent. And that's a little bit yeah. troubling. <laughs> right. <laughs> because Sadie's yeah, clearly yeah, the yeah. responsible one here. Um <laughs> and now a few other moments as as the episode progresses where I'm like, Annie, this was just not good judgment. Like your child is there. What are you doing? Mm, um right. and you also get the sense that Annie probably put Sadie in an uncomfortable position with respect to Sadie's father and his new girlfriend. Um because you can already see, like, she asked Sadie, like, you know, well, what kind of car does she drive? Like, 
please don't put your, your child, don't make your child provide intel on what daddy is doing with his new girlfriend. Like, don't put your child in that position. So all of that was very interesting to me in sort of the opening sequence with, with Annie and Sadie in particular. Candy, any thoughts about the rest of the episode and where we go with our introduction to Annie? Well, I'm laughing because I am your mom and I've always had a busted down used car. So that just makes me laugh. <laughs> like as, an, as a young adult, as an adult, I've always had a car with something going on, some kind of a weird noise that shouldn't be happening. <laughs> and God bless. So maybe that's why I relate to Annie in several ways. Uh, not that having a kid have to be an adult for me part, but a lot of it, I'm like, Annie, the struggle is real, sis. The mm -hmm. struggle is real. This economy is no joke. But yeah, I, um, throughout the episode, um, you talk a lot about hustling backwards. And, uh, and Annie, God bless her. She hustled backwards a lot in the robbery. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate, you know, but she had the enthusiasm. She Should she have been the one trying to be the big gun and in the back room getting the money i was yelling at the tv she's the smallest out of all of them i was like what are y'all doing mm -hmm. so yeah. i appreciate her enthusiasm <laughs> and her passion yes but on behalf of all of the women they needed a little bit more should have thought about this just a little bit longer <laughs> yeah that out a little bit more Getting done in by your own tramp stamp is is it is quintessential. Well, you that with love and affection well. as a character that I do like. It's like, of course, of course, it would be the tramp stamp that would do <laughs> Annie in and make it clear to Boomer who Sis. is behind this robbery. Um, well, and also too, I just I was like, why would you have the person that actually works there up close right, with right. someone? I was like, what are y'all doing? Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. Like at best, Annie should have been like the wheel, the, the car person. Like Annie probably shouldn't have even been in the grocery in store. In the building, actually. right. That right. part. Yes. Yes. And and listen, like I said, I alluded to in from the first scene, Annie isn't necessarily a model parent. You know, having <laughs> having someone who got a DUI babysit your child might not be the great the best idea. I mean, I guess we're now in the world of Uber and Lyft. So if there was an emergency. The babysitter would have a way to get your child like, to the hospital. But here's the thing I do love about Annie. I love how well she knows Sadie. And how Sadie, being an atheist who likes a jaunty bow tie, doesn't mean Sadie needs therapy. Annie supports Sadie's exploration and growth and very accurately clocks that it's the bullies who need therapy for their bullshit, not Sadie. And I think that is, you know, for all of Annie's red flags, even when Boomer was there, the first time to try to blackmail her, I wanted to be like, Annie, do you not have a bedroom to take this man to? Like, why are you doing this on the couch child. when your child is in the same apartment with you? Like, even if you thought Sadie was asleep, like, you know, you're going to make noises and probably wakes. Like, what are you doing? Like, Annie, please. Like, come on, Annie. Like, I'm, 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 girl, child, I'm trying with you. <laughs> But that being said, I think another thing that's super endearing about Annie, and we even get it in this episode, but I think, you know, you continue to see it as the series progresses, is, is her self-awareness. Like, all of the things that I've said about Annie, like, Annie, that's probably a red flag, she knows it. It's not like she's <laughs> oblivious to it. it it's yeah. interesting because, like, when she goes on her shopping spree after the robbery and she picks up Sadie in the Porsche and gives Sadie a laptop, 
And he makes sure to know. She's like, so who's the adult now? Who's the adult? Like, and I'm like, okay. So, so you know it and Girl. you get it. And so there are these red flags in some of the things that she does. But I think, I think it would have been lazy. And I think it would have been super uninteresting if Annie was written like an oblivious, carefree, reckless person. But that's not the place that Annie operates from. She understands, to your point, yes, she's a hot mess, but you know who's not in denial about the fact that Annie is a hot mess? Annie! Yes. So, And I think that is what makes her so endearing. And I think the writers do a good job at sort of setting her up as that kind of character as the pilot goes on. Mm -hmm. Agree, agree. And last but certainly not least, Candy, let's talk about Ruby. And I, you kind of alluded to this at the top when we were talking about sort of the opening sequence and Sarah's speech and how, you know, Ruby very unabashedly and, and unapologetically, like, you know, supports and roots for Sarah when she has her mic drop moment. But is there anything else that you wanted to sort of touch on in terms of that first introduction to Ruby? So I feel like in a close, close second is Ruby as my favorite character. Mm -hmm. And also Ruby and Stan are my favorite um, marriage relationship in this show out of all of them. Yeah. I love how they, um, I love how they treat each other as a married couple. I love how they parent, they co-parent. So, um, of course, I love Retta. I bought her book as soon as she wrote one. I just, she is the best. Love Donna. But, um, yeah, I love how supportive she is. And I really, yeah, I, Ruby and Stan's relationship. I feel like at the time it was one of the few non-toxic marriages on TV. Yeah. Because <laughs> from the beginning you see that Beth and Dean's marriage is, there could be um, a need for some therapy in that household regarding mm -hmm. those two. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Now, we're only talking about the pilot. I will say that throughout the show, uh, Ruby and Stan, like many marriages, are going to go through some ups and downs. Yeah, and I think that <laughs> whenever gonna... you have, when you have a spouse who has a secret criminal life, that well, that's probably going to lead well... to some issues. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I don't like their marriage is one of my favorite parts of the show, like throughout this, the show, because wow. The journey. You're going to go on a journey with this family in particular. I don't I just was blown. <laughs> Everything that Ruby and Stan went through. And, but I appreciated that the love was strong. So, <laughs> Yeah. I like what you touched on. I had the note about Ruby and Stan as well. Because it's interesting. Because like I said, you, you, you're getting these three parallels. You're getting Beth. You're getting Annie. And then you're getting Ruby. You see, you see what Beth and Dean are like in that very, like, even just, like I said, like everybody got love you with lunch except for Dean. So you're like, okay, y'all got some stuff going on. And then we know with Annie from the conversation with Sadie that, you know, she's no longer with the father of her child. And then we have Ruby and Stan at this speech that Sarah is giving on his presentation. And they're like, you know, talking about working extra shifts, but it's, it, it feels like a partnership. They, they feel like they embody the spirit of what Sarah would want as a tiny wee baby feminist who is talking about taking down the patriarchy. <laughs> and I think it's, I think it's also 
very telling about both Ruby and Stan that you would have, I don't know what Sarah's age is supposed to be, but Sarah is quite young in, in this in this first season. She does, I do think by the end, she's like maybe preteen, pre-teen teen. teen. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to me that someone as young as Sarah would know what menstruation is. <laughs> know what the patriarchy well, is. And well. that is something that needs to be burned down. So that I think speaks volumes about both of them. And I love how Sarah's speech tells us so much about these two people without, you know, with, with us maybe having 15 seconds of interaction between the two in the opening. Candy, how about as the pilot progresses, any other reflections about our introduction to Ruby? Um, yeah, I just, I love how she is hyping and screaming and supporting for her daughter she is she's such a supportive mom and vocal and active supportive mom later um later on throughout the pilot um you're gonna see uh her daughter is chronically ill and ruby is constantly advocating and fighting for her treatment and for her um and her child's concerns to be heard and taken care of so i just yeah, I I was so team Ruby. And and that's why I was interested too about them robbing a store. I was like, how? How are y'all doing this? <laughs> so I wanted to see how they were going to pull it off from the trailers and stuff. Yeah. I love I think we talked a lot about Ruby and her family dynamic, but I also love Ruby as the middle ground to Beth and Annie who are on different ends of the spectrum in terms of their personalities, their life experiences, where they are in life. She is this, this, she's like a grounding element to this trio that I think works really well. In addition to what I think is the amazing chemistry between Christina, Retta and May on screen. Um, What I also liked, Listen, let me, I'm trying to think about how do I say this? So I'm going to just tell y'all, if y'all aren't black and if you don't have black friends that, that you are really close to who can be upfront with you, sometimes there are things that'll happen in the news and it'll involve black people. And we'd be like, how in the hell did you get involved in that nonsense? That is not like, what were you doing? Like, how did you get there? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, I remember. <laughs> Girl, I'm way, thinking of one for my own life. <laughs> well, I remember way back in the day during the DC sniper days, because oh. I lived in Virginia at the time. And it was a scary time. Like a motherfucker was in a car just plucking people off the highway. Knew, no one knew where they were who they were, where they were shooting from. People were scared to like go pump gas and do all this stuff. And and based on sort of like criminal profiles, history, all that stuff, I don't think anybody was thinking it was going to be a black person. <laughs> For real. I mean, let's keep it real. We were just like, are well. you kidding? How did you end up being? How did how did your life lead, lead you down this path? Do black people use guns? Yes. Do they engage in gun violence? Yes. But like that sniper shit, it really felt like some Unabomber. Like you know, like it really it felt like a certain profile. And like that dude and that little yo, that boy, he <laughs> shouldn't have been hanging out. Shouldn't have had any any proximity to. Went 
completely against profile. I think even the FBI would tell you that is not how we profiled him. So like, it's that kind of stuff where you'll like see something on the news and like, you'll know because like, they might not like show a picture and they won't give a description and you're like, oh, I know who did that. And so (laughs) every now and then you'll see like certain types of stories and you're like, now you know damn well. Your praying aunties and grandmas did not pray this hard for you to be doing this kind of bullshit. What are you doing? And how did you end up here? And there is a part of me that's like, uh, Ruby, ma'am, how the fuck did you end up in a grocery store robbery ring? But what I think they do so well in this pilot in terms of our introduction to Ruby is that we completely get why she would be in this in these shenanigans, like how she would find herself in it. And it, it feels it feels accurate to her it feels believable um and and again she's not like she's not like Annie where she's just sort of floating by the seat of her pants in a lot of ways and she's not like Beth who is well type but very clearly spiraling you know they sort of again it's that grounded piece to Ruby even her reasons for being in it feels so deeply grounded because who wouldn't do anything for their kid and I'm not saying that's that's not um that's not a racial thing. That's not about Ruby being black, but that's Ruby's personality that we see throughout the course of this pilot. She's just a very grounded, logical person um, who I think, again, like I said, serves as a great middle ground to these two very distinct personalities and Beth and Annie. And I think when you initially meet this trio, trio, you'd be like, why didn't Ruby fight these women and try to shut this down <laughs> and explain to them that this was ridiculous but you completely understand why she didn't and why Ruby has skin in the game. So I thought that was really well done about our introduction to her as well. Yeah. And I love seeing like best friendships between women on TV. These women are best friends, thick and thin. So I really love that. Yeah. I mean, I would say they even, you won't, I mean, from the, I think in the pilot, it's clear that they're very good friends. I think as you continue to watch the series, they feel more like sisters. Ruby feels like a classic middle child. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think so. With Andy being typical baby. And oh, Beth definitely. Having, it has and, to be the and, oldest. Yes. And <laughs> Beth having all of the older child traits. So it, it is, it's quite well done. And, and one of the things that I think is enjoyable about the series as a whole. Candy, any other memorable character introductions or performances? Well, can I, I'm laughing because when you first started talking about that, I literally had a flashback in my own life where mm-hmm. when I was a teen, was it middle? No, I was a teenager and one of my best friends, and I'm going to say this is a palm colored thing because there was a stark difference. So she wanted to run away <laughs> and that is one of my best friends. And I was like, oh girl, let me help you pack. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let me help you out. I, ha- I Let me give you like $2 all I have. And here you need, you need a washcloth. What do you need? A toothbrush. And then she's going to tell me, oh, Candace, I'm so glad you're in this with me. And yeah, I don't think I could do it alone. And that's why we're best friends. And in my mind, I was like, oh, girl. Like, uh, man. I was like, that's not. <laughs> you, have, you have my resources, but I will not be able to. Oh, like, oh, girl. Yeah this journey <laughs> but I, so I got roped into it because I had no intention of doing so but then I was like oh lord um what so we 
<laughs> we stopped by our other friend's house and her mom told our moms, the girls are running away. Now I had never had the intention to do that, but I was roped into it by a beloved palm color friend. And the difference, the difference is she got grounded and I got whooped and I'm saying, now see, look at me, get my ass beat behind you. And all you, and all you get is to not have to not get to watch your little TV show. And I'm getting my ass beat. tunes on Saturday well, morning. Well, so, of course, I think every kid <laughs> has a runaway story. I tried that runaway nonsense, and my family put me in a car and, and, let, and let me out on the street corner. It said, <laughs> I didn't even want a rat. I was, and I, and I, I tried it. I just cried. I was like, no, this is serious. Now, what I will say, and it speaks volumes about my brother, when he, <laughs> went, through, uh, when he went through his, I'm running away, they're like, okay, well, you know what? We're going to leave you be, um, and you know what? You do what you got to do. That motherfucker started packing the bag. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's yes, everyone has a runaway story, but Candy, oh my God, those shenanigans. Yes, exactly. As a warning, if to, if there's any young people that listen to our podcast, don't get your ass beat behind your palm-colored friend. Because they're not going to be the one that gets beat. You are, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> don't let your friend get you whooped. I know. <laughs> your ancestors was looking at you like, mm, this is what in the world. I know. They were just like, shut That up. was a record scratch now i bet you're wondering how i got into the situation exactly exactly (laughs) Ooh, any memorable character introductions other than our core three that you want to talk about candy um oh so i really want to give a shout out to um one character that we haven't talked about and is a major part of this show and it's also one of the many reasons why i was so pissed that good girls got canceled this mm-hmm. was a show that was led by three women, which unheard of on primetime TV. And it also had a trans child actor and Isaiah Stannard. And we get to see in real time this beautiful child transition on primetime. Yes. yes. And so I was pissed that it was canceled because I was thinking in my mind, now when is this baby going to get to be in a leading role on TV again? It's probably going to take a very, very long time. And to my knowledge, I haven't seen Isaiah standard on primetime TV and it makes me very angry. Um, Isaiah plays Annie's son, Ben in the pilot. We are introduced to them as Sadie and we, you are going to get to watch this uh, beautiful baby transition and Mm -hmm. be comfortable with themselves in life. And, they are going to be supported and loved unconditionally by their mom. And it was just wonderful to see on primetime television. And I'm still bitter that that was taken away from us. So Yes. Yes. So we're coming off of that spoiler. Um, but I agree. But I, I'm glad that Candy mentioned the person that she mentioned. Um, mine is Manny, Mont- uh, Manny Montana. I think that's his name. Uh, is Rio. Um, I, I just wanted to flag him because... The last time I'd only seen Manny in one other show, and it was Graceland on USA, where he was playing like I a straight-laced, a straight-laced FBI agent. Like, really? Yes. Oh. And so <laughs> I didn't even realize that Rio was the same character that I watched on Grace. I was like, this is the same person. Like just the way that he transforms and just how differently he presents. It's it's amazing. So I want it to. Oh, I want to see that now. I cannot imagine him being an FBI agent. That's wild. (laughs) Oh, yes. 
Yes, he was. I mean, it's so different. It's such a different character. He could he couldn't be any more different from Rio. So, and he even looks different. Like even the way that Manny looks. Now, obviously, for the show, I do think in real life Manny has some Some tattoos. Not like he doesn't have Rio's tattoos, and I think that's why I just didn't initially recognize that. Oh, this is the guy from Graceland. Because in Graceland, like he's so straight laced, like he's so like it's. I really want to see it. I can't imagine. (laughs) Yeah. So listen, if you're a Manny fan and you haven't seen Graceland, it's not the. It's a USA show. It's 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 on par with USA shows. That's what I'll say. It's not the greatest show of all time, but I liked it. I think I watched it because I love Daniel Sanjata. I like to look at Daniel Sanjata uh, specifically, so that's what got me into that show and why I watched it for as long as I did. Okay. So just when you thought these women, right? Uh, Robbing. Can I give a quick shout out to Matt Lillard real quick too? I had him written down. So Matt Lillard plays Dean, who is uh, Beth's husband. And I was, although I was disgusted by Dean as a character, I feel like Matt Lillard doesn't get the flowers he deserves. I feel like he has range. I have loved him since Hackers when I was a angsty teen and thought I could be a hacker. And I was not, I was not a hacker, but I thought he does comedy very well, but he can also do serious too. And he cries very well on camera. So I, I don't know. I think Matt Lillard is a great actor. So props to him. Just yes. throw that in there. I agree. I, I don't know that you walk away from the pilot with that. It's not a spoiler that Candy said. That's <laughs> what I would say is if you watch, if you continue to watch this series, you will absolutely land. You will have the same sentiment and appreciation for him. So I'm glad you, you flagged it. Okay. I'm looking at time. I might make some ad hoc changes here. Okay. I am. In fact, I'm going to skip the next one. I'm just jump down. Um, Candy, anything else from the pilot that worked well that we haven't covered? Um, I just, I think you mentioned it, but I, I really think it was good. Like, I feel like pilots are either hit or miss. Like, I feel like a lot of pilots, either they can stink because they're trying to put so much information in the beginning or it makes them good. And in this show, I think it made it very good. I feel like it, this pilot, sorry, I can't even talk. This pilot is so solid. I feel like you get to see each woman, you learn who she is, and you can see their desperate need for money and why they would feel desperate enough to try to do something as harebrained as rob a store. So I think they set this up perfectly for the the basis of the show and by the shock ending robbery. By the end of the pilot, you're like, okay, I can see it. They need the money. It's a crazy plan, but you can see what brought them there. Yeah, completely agree. I had a few things to your point, just picking up with the robbery. And this is part of the prior question. So I'm not going to ask that question, but I'm just going to say the plot twist with Rio and finding out that the grocery store was entangled in some criminal activities is an amazing way to kind of take the, the story forward. Right, right. Because we don't, I mean, the idea of like three women, they need money, they rob a store, rinse, repeat. We've all seen set it off. It works for a movie. But I don't know that that works for a TV show that you're going to watch week in and week out. And so this complicating layer of, of, of the grocery store having its own shady shit going on is a truly great one. Um, I also thought in the pilot that the writers and the actors actually do this amazing job at balancing the darkness and the humor. Because I, I would consider Good Girls to be 
dark comedy. I don't, yeah. I, it's probably more comedy than it is dark, but it is, it, it, I do think that sort of genre wise, I would call it dark comedy um, because things that are unquestionably dark and sad in this pilot, like Ruby not having the money to be able to provide Sarah the healthcare she needs. Um, but it always, it, but they do this good job at giving you like balance or release valves. In my conversation with Solomon in Missouri about the bear, that was one of my issues with a wildly popular episode from season two is that I didn't think the episode had enough release valves. Like I am just miserable. And sometimes like I can leave, I can go there with you, but you've got to give me a release valve or two along the way because real life itself is so fucked right now that I can't do like the full throttle (laughs) fucked upness fictionally as well. So I need release valves. And, And I thought that the release valves were well done in this pilot. Like when you think about Boomer and the scene at the end, it gets really dark because he is basically intent on sexually assaulting Annie. And and you you absolutely get that tension and that discomfort in that scene. But then you get the release valve of like Boomer realizing that Beth is holding a fake gun. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's just like, oh my God, Beth, what are you doing, girl? It's so freaking ridiculous. And But I like that they also give us sort of the satisfaction of, hey, she might not have had a real gun, but she does whack his ass upside the head. And he crashes through that glass table, like all satisfying. Like there's, there is balance to the darkness that I enjoy, that I appreciate in, in the show. And then my final thing is the little touches. So, for example, in the scene with Ruby at the health clinic, we see this heartbreaking exchange in which she's struggling to be heard by Sarah's doctor. And all of that was well executed from the writing to Retta's performance. But what I really loved about that scene was the stain you see on her shirt. Like she's got this stain, like it's like up near her shoulder and you can't miss it. It's not that it's distracting, but it's there. And I'm like, she looks like someone who works long shifts at a diner, it waits tables and probably buses tables. And I like that she actually looked like that because a lot of shows would give you the amazing writing and give you the amazing performance, but then wouldn't like put the care and attention and just sort of what the person looks like. Does this look like someone who is actually like working long shifts and like dealing with food and 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 dirty dishes? And she absolutely looked that like it was just one little stain, but it 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 to me, it was a, it was a perfect touch. Agree, agree. Yep. Anything from the pilot candy that did not work for you? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say sorry, not sorry, but this is a pilot that I don't have complaints about. I feel like there are a lot of clunky moments and hustling backward moments, but I feel like those are important to the plot. I feel like they it was supposed to be clunky and there was supposed to be hustling backwards because this is not Ocean's Eleven. These are three right. housewives and moms attempting a robbery, something they've never done before or have no business doing. So all of the um, the mishaps and goofs, I feel like were very important to have. I, I appreciated that it was more realistic. So I'm just going to say that. <laughs> I completely agree. The hustling backwards made sense for the characters who found themselves hustling backwards. Um, and I and I agree. I didn't have, I liked the pilot. I, I didn't have anything that I would change. And again, as Candy just said, sorry, not sorry, not sorry. for that. 
This was also going back to my point about sort of the dark comedy. There are there were a few like laugh out loud moments. I have one. Candy, do you have one from the pilot? Um, maybe not a laugh out loud, but there was one where I laughed. I mean, I don't think it was meant as a laugh out loud, but I laughed very hard. Okay, <laughs> what was it? So uh, when Beth confronts uh, Dean's secretary assistant, whatever, mm-hmm. when she confronts her, I that whole entire scene, like first Beth walks in and she is catwalking like it's a runway at Paris Fashion Week. She's going straight to the office like, no one dares touch her or bother her. She knows exactly where the fuck she's going and what she's about to do. And she just reads that little girl to complete filth. And I guffawed. And I love I loved it for her so much. And for all of my sisters out there that are currently strapped to a liar in a pig suit, I, I hope mm-hmm. I pray you get your day, babes. I, I pray it for you women. I, I'm like, stand up. Stand up, my sisters. Yeah, I hope you get this moment. I hope you get to read a woman for filth, and I hope you get to fuck your husband's workplace up if he has fucked you over in life too. So that made me laugh when she was reading her down. That was a good scene, and it gave you. It was deeply satisfying. I love the the image of that pig when she's like <laughs> ramming the car through the the parking lot, and that pig, and she just in the pig kind of flies behind her on the car. <laughs> Dean said when pigs fly. Um, so my laugh out loud scene is one that you touched on at the very top of the conversation, but I want to talk about something specifically from it. It's Sarah's triumphant presentation and how she has her mic drop moment where she then talks about burning down the patriarchy and then pulls out a match very close to her oxygen tank. (laughs) What made me, it wasn't that they made me laugh out loud, but it was the fact that Reno, her dad, then whispers to Ruby, so ain't nobody gonna stop her. That (laughs) made me laugh because I'm like, sir, that's your daughter. Why aren't you stopping her? <laughs> and did no one vet this presentation with her? Also, why has nobody told this baby about the dangers of open flames and oxygen tanks? It was just, <laughs> it was just super, super funny when he was like, "Ain't nobody gonna stop her." I was like, "Oh my god!" Because it was so like, it was such a thing that you could you could see somebody's parents, especially a black dad, like, "Ain't nobody gonna stop her." Like, black daddy, get up and you stop her. Like, what are you doing? It was so funny, and the teacher obviously does get up and hustles up to stop that baby, but that made me laugh out loud. So, speaking of laughs, Candy, there are there are other moments from this pilot that either like I've talked about how they like struck a chord with certain memories or like made me laugh. So I did have a few questions for just pure shits and giggles. So we're inspired by this pilot. First up, we see Beth enduring a very uncomfortable waxing appointment. And, and it made me think about the lengths that we go to, particularly women and femmes for the beautification or bodily maintenance, whether they be our own preferences or our reluctant adherence to societal norms. Candy, I don't know anybody that doesn't have a war story. Give me a war story. Girl. Okay. So I feel like I've talked about on this podcast previously about having barcodes burn into my foreheads from flat irons and curling wands. Mm. But, so I feel like I've already talked about that. But I there's one particular instant in high school when um, I am a nine, a child of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And 
back in my day, <laughs> Nair was very popular. And that's the, the hair removal cream. Y'all better read them instructions. Nair is not for everywhere. But okay, well, keep going. <laughs> my dumbass put it on my upper lip. Mm. At that time, I was an insecure teenager and I thought I had a mustache and I did not. I probably just had a couple rant hairs or little whatever. Anyways, I used it on my upper lip and I left it on too long and I mm. had a bright ass Kool-Aid mustache for days. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my God. <laughs> All, so the pain we go through in the name of bullshit beauty standards. Oh. I remember my dad was like, what? My dad was like, "What is happening?" I was like, "Did you drink Kool Aid?" He was like, did "Yes, you drink Kool Aid." And I was like, "Yes, I did." And I was like, crying in my room later, like, "Ugh." Like, looking at you, bewildered. Like, this seems like some teenage girl stuff, and I want nothing to do with it. And I'm super confused. And then my and mom like, yelling at me, like, "Why did you do?" I was like, "I don't know what I did." Girl, never again. And that was my end of ever using Nair. <laughs> Y'all, y'all have got got to read the directions. You got to look. At, <laughs> you got to look at where the nair says that it's authorized to Lord go. If, if, if your body part <laughs> doesn't fall within that zone, do not risk it. That those depilatories will fuck you up. And and candy. The lesson learned from us. Another lesson learned from candy is you got to set that timer. And baby, when that timer is off, like there is no benefit to letting it linger longer. No. Like take it off. <laughs> take it off. Don't do so, it. <laughs> so my war story um, is, is it's, it's not similar to Beth's, but it is a, it is also, it's funny because it's always hair removal. And I will say <laughs> that I, I think for me, hair removal, it's, it's a mixed, it's mixed motivations. Like, yeah, I do think that part of it is probably societal norms, but I just don't like hair on my body. I mean, I, I'm just, and, and the thing is, I don't care about hair on someone else's body. Like have hair wherever you want to have it, you know, do, you know, I, I don't give a lot of time and thought to like what other people do with their, with the <laughs> hair on their bodies. But as for me and my house, I just don't like it. And so you know, I have since done aggressive lasering in a lot of different areas. But before my laser days, I was a devotee to waxes. Like I was a, I was, but this was my early days. These were the wee baby, like early days. So I was, I was in law school and um, I had like waxed before, but it had been a while. I guess I was doing other stuff, probably Nair and I don't know. So I, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was like, this is a lot to have to do. And so let me, maybe I should try to get back into waxing. Cause I had done it, I think maybe once or twice. I was like, whew, that was super intense. Oh my God. In fact, I just remember I now have a second story. Okay. Let me get through them very quickly. So, okay. So <laughs> I'm in DC for the summer. It's my second summer of law school. I split the summer between Philly and DC. I'm in DC. I'm living in Georgetown. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to try this whole Brazilian thing again. So I go to the spa because, and I did all this research because the dolls online told me that if you used blue wax, it's better. Like, because the blue wax had like, I think it was like aspirin in it. It was supposed to have things in the blue wax that like lowered the pain and made it easier. And with the blue wax, you don't use like the paper strips, Like you put the blue wax down and you basically yank the blue wax off. You don't need like the, the paper strips to yank it off. Now, what I've learned and what I've learned from this experience is that 
anytime you are aggressively yanking hair out of your body, it's going to hurt. And you just need to accept that. I mean, that's just what it is. There's no special wax in the world well. that's going to <laughs> like lessen the pain. And I ultimately moved over to lasering. Not because, I mean, lasering, also painful. It's like a, rub, a rubber band, like on your cooch being plucked. Like, oh, Lord. Times. But it, the sting does go away, go away immediately versus mm-hmm. like with the waxing. It's like a womp, 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 womp kind of pain that like lasts for a bit. But it was sort of a financial decision because I was like, okay, I can keep paying X amount for waxes every month or I could just go permanently get this shit removed. Uh, for a few hundred dollars via laser, and then that's it. That's my investment. I'm not doing this every month. And when I crunched the numbers, carried the one, added the two, I was like, oh, this is actually a more cost-effective solution, which is why I shipped it over to lasering. But long story short, so I go to this, I find this spa in Georgetown. It's close to where I'm, I'm subletting. I walk over, I go in. Um, and she's like, okay, I'm new here. That was red flag number one. Yes, <laughs> we just got the blue wax in. We're so excited about it. that was red flag number two. So y'all, <laughs> she puts that blue wax down. I knew it was a problem because y'all, when you do the blue wax, it does give you the ability to like cover like larger sort of cross sections of whatever it is that you're waxing but like I'm okay I'm sorry this is just going to be really detailed in TMI but whatever (laughs) basically just put the blue wax all over my cooch and I'm just sitting here thinking and you know when you're having that moment where you start having an out-of-body experience because you're like she's gonna have to pull this all up like the more she lathers it on the more I'm like Oh, we're not even breaking this into sections. Like you just finna try to like rip everything off in one pull. Where do you do that at? I have never had a wax where they did that. But I was like, maybe I don't know. It's the blue wax, and maybe the blue wax is different. The blue wax wasn't different, y'all. Same principle with any other kind of wax. Yes, you can do larger sections, but you cannot do like a whole, you cannot do your whole coochie on the blue wax, y'all. When she got to ripping that shit up, tears formed in my eyes. My body levitated off that table. Like my fist was so tight. You could see the like the indentation of my of my nails like in my skin. She might have gotten and and she didn't. She was like, I'm trying to grip it. I'm trying to. But he just can't. And I'm like, ma'am, you either need to fucking punt or find another way off. But either way, what we cannot do is do this slowly. So, folks, if you ever get into waxing, that's the rule of thumb. The shit need to be quick. Oh, no. And it was not. She's sitting here picking at it and picking at it and picking at it. And I'm like, at this point, I just want to choke her. I want to straight up choke her. (laughs) I'm like, I I have gone from wanting to cry and run out of here to now feeling just straight up homicidal just because I wanted no hair down there. And so she just like picking at it and picking at it. And then it's like. She can't get it all in the because I sort of braced myself. I was like, I'm probably gonna pass out. Like, I'm like, if she ever gets a full grip on this wax oh and pulls it all in one in one pull, I'm probably gonna faint. 
But at least it's done, right? (laughs) She couldn't do that. So then she like starts. So I cannot explain to y'all like how impractical it is because the way that the glue, not the glue, the wax formulates, pull it. Like if you want to do it in sections, you have to put the wax down in sections, take it up in sections. You can't like do a full (laughs) section and then think that you're going to create subsections from the big section that you've whacked, that you've like now slathered all of this wax over. But that's what she did. Cause I was like, maybe I don't know enough about this process. So I'm gonna just go with the flow. And she's like, just picking at it, picking it. So she gets like maybe like a quarter of it off. And honest to God, like I could, I could literally see, I could see the bright light. I could hear the angels singing. I could see the ancestors welcoming me home. And I'm like, Oh no. And I just told her, I said, okay, so here, sweetie, um, I'm going to need you to go do some Googles, find a manager or talk to somebody because I'm like, uh, and I told her, I was like, honestly, between me and you, I'm prepared to just walk out of here with this blue shit. On my oh no. Because, because there is no way that I'm going to be able to sit here and endure you doing that again. That Hello. is that is not an <laughs> no. option. So I need you to very oh, quickly no. think about how we get out of this pickle. Because I was like, if I just have to have this on my coochie for the rest of my life, then I'm prepared to. <laughs> no. Because nobody is going, no one is pulling this off of me. Okay? I got through that one. And, and honestly, like I said, I felt myself going into the light and I was like, I can't like y'all would live quite literally have to take me to the hospital, put me under anesthesia and just do it. And then wake me up. That's the only way it gets done. I can't remember how we fixed. We, she fixed it, but I think she like talked to a manager or someone else. They put something Definitely down. Someone had to help. Yeah. That let it just sort of, we just, got it off in bits and pieces, but no pulling. So I meant I did not get any of the waxing benefits, but they got the shit off my skin. And I do remember going home and still having it in certain places. And she was like, you just take a warm shower. It'll continue to fall off. And I was like, okay. And she was like, we feel so terrible. She was like, yeah. I just need, we need more practice with it. You know, we're not going to charge you for it. And I was like, no shit. Okay, you weren't. <laughs> no shit. It was, it was probably like another year. Like I had to forget the pain. Yeah, before I could try it again, and so then okay, very quickly. Then y'all, there is this lady here in Philly, (laughs) and she's she's been in like nationwide magazines. She has a reputation. I'm trying. They used to call her. Now I'm trying to remember what they called her. She had a name. It's the waxer, but it was something. Is it? The waxing czar, like she had a strict name. She was an Eastern European woman, and it was like they, it was like a nail salon place. Nobody went in there to get their nails done. Like everybody knew she was the person you go to to get waxed. Whatever it is you wanted to do, you would go in there and you would get waxed because she had a reputation for being able to like get you bare in like less than like two minutes. And so, like, but she also had a reputation for being very strict. Like, she had no tolerance for, like, patience or discomfort. And so, okay, I'm going to tell you all this story. Again, TMI. So I decided to try her. And she was so popular. Like, if you wanted to go on a Saturday, because you couldn't get an appointment. Because that's how popular she was. She didn't even have to fuck with an appointment book. You just had to basically show up, like, an hour before they opened, put your name on a list, 
and then you would get in to see her. That's how popular wow. she was. Oh, dang. <laughs> so, but then I started looking at like Yelp reviews and I'm like, there, I'm seeing things about duct tape and I'm starting to get concerned here about sort of what's happening. And so I went. And, and she was like, like I said, you know, she's like Eastern European. She's a thick accent. She's like, sit on table, take off, take off clothes, uh, waist down. And so I get there. She's like, open legs. And you open, <laughs> you open your legs. And all I know is you just feel the warm wax go on. And before you can even like be like, okay, let me get myself ready. She's like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. okay, you done. Get out. Like it was like rapid oh, fire. Wow. <laughs> like it was like no. 90 seconds and it was just all gone. Oh. And you're just well. like, I mean, and don't get me wrong, it hurt, but it was like it was so fast efficient that you're like so confused, you can't really like and like like process the pain because you're just like I just laid down and opened my legs. And before you know it, she's telling you. Yeah. I can't remember when she would give you the aftercare. She'd be like, put down powder, put down your sport and get out. Like she went there and that was it. Okay. So I started telling some of my friends about it. But remember what I said about the duct tape, y'all. So one of my friends went to her and, you know, she had gone to her a few times, had good experiences. And then I guess she went one time and the little, whoosh, 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 like the 90 second thing, it didn't get everything. Oh, no. Y'all, she pulled out duct tape. Oh, Ole. oh my God. <laughs> no. And I want y'all to just think about duct tape no. being put on any part of your body no. and ripped off aggressively. And my friend was like, Scott, like my friend didn't, didn't do another wax for like two or three years after that. And I was like, Oh shit! I, w- I had no idea. I'm like, okay, I've never had the duct tape happen, right. but thank you for letting me know. Because I was, I, I was like, I did see it in a few of the reviews, but I thought maybe people were like making it up or like exaggerating or thinking that she's just so fast it must be duct tape. No, no, no. Miss Mama's pulled out actual duct tape. So okay, so there were war <laughs> stories um, from the tales of hair removal. Um, uh, a longer detour than probably anyone ever needed, but I feel like anyone that's ever had a hair removal experience, you it is always pain. Yes, and it's always trial and error. Like short of like just straight up shaving, and even shaving is trial and error because you you need someone to teach you. Like how, it's just it's hair removal. It's just a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Okay, let me get to my next uh, shits and giggles question because that was a very long, painful, traumatic detour that I just took to y'all. <laughs> she pulled out duct tape on my friend. Okay. Cause I would have fainted. I think I would have blacked out. I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I just don't. Okay. During interviews, prospective employers often ask, what role do you like to play on group projects? It's my least favorite question in an interview because the answer is that I hate group projects. And so whatever answer I'm giving, it always feels inauthentic because at my core, what I want to say is I fucking hate them. So frankly, I don't know what role I take. I take whatever role is necessary for us to get the shit done because usually something falls apart in a fucking group project. But you can't say that in an interview and get a job. I want to play, put a fun twist on that question. And Candy, tell me in the group project of coming up with a fictional robbery ring, are you a Beth Annie or Ruby and why? Okay, so I said I would 
if I had been in this group of women, I would have volunteered to be the muscle because it's what they were lacking. <laughs> because Annie's little putian butt had no business trying to pretend to be muscle. Yeah. So I would have been like, if you don't sit your four, five butt down, maybe four eleven, if I'm being generous, <laughs> I am an Amazon. I would have been like, sis, sit down. I got this. <laughs> I would have volunteered to be the muscle. I have no issue with physical violence, so I um, I wouldn't mind throwing some elbow grease if the situation needed. <laughs> That's so interesting because that is something I'm going to bring up in response to the next question for shits and giggles. But I guess I should first <laughs> talk about what role I would play in this group project. So I'm, I was torn between Beth and Ruby. I think, though... I might be a Beth. I'm not somebody who's going to make chicken fingers into chicken stars. But if I'm going to really commit to like a special project, particularly the way my ADHD is set up, like I I can get, if I get singularly focused on something, I will like get into every single granular detail. Like, oh, you know, it provided my medications, I'm taking them and they're working properly and I'm firing all on all ADH cylinders. I would plan the fuck out of that caper. So I could get because you know, like how I like how Beth sort of scouts the place, takes pictures, she sees where the cameras are. I also could see myself like Beth being the person who's like in the mask holding the toy gun, but like thinking, but I'm not the bad guy, I just want the money. I don't truly want to hear these people. I might get caught up in the moment and try to comfort a child or talk to a kid about dying oh, yeah. <laughs> because I see that she's scared because I've forgotten that I'm the reason she's scared. So oh. I related <laughs> a lot to Beth in that moment, but there, there is that part of me that, that also f- connects deeply to Ruby and sort of her, what the fuck Beth, you know, when she's <laughs> looking at Beth comforting the child, like Beth, have you forgotten that we were robbing a fucking store? So I, I could relate to Ruby in that moment too, but I, if I, like I said, you know, I get my Adderall pumping and, you know, like everything else is probably going to suffer. Like everything else is going to be disaster, but I'm going to plan the fuck out of that robbery. Uh, like I said, if my ADHD and my meds come together like Voltron. Um, Candy, give me your dream robbery ring. Like who is the team that you are assembling? Like the, the Avengers, it can be real life people or historical figures or fictional characters. The sky's the limit. Okay, so when I first read this, automatically I thought, and I want to preface this by saying I never in my life would ever want to be or would have wanted to be a slave, okay? (laughs) But the mind of Harriet Tubman, I would love to see the mind of Harriet Tubman work in real time. I would love to bring her to today's world so that she could fuck some shit up and free some people. Mm. Okay. I would willingly, gladly volunteer to be the muscle for Auntie Tubman for real. So I have a Harriet Tubman on my list. And then um, Wuza Tian, she was the first and only, to my knowledge, woman emperor of China. Mm, Okay. If I'm going into battle slash a robbery, I need bad bitches on my squad. Which, side note, um, author... Jiren J. Jiao. She wrote a book called Iron Widow, and it's based on the first woman emperor of China. And that book may be one of my most favorite books of all times. So I'm just, I will always be about badass women taking okay. charge of life. So I'd, I'd bring her 
in the squad too. So I just want a squad of badass women. And Jocelyn, I put you on my squad because <gasps> oh, I love it. <laughs> I put you on my squad because just like you said, successful plans need smart women, and you, my friend, are a smart badass woman. So oh. you need smart people to think shit through. So I have no problem running in, guns blazing, punching people, and I need some brains behind that. Uh, <laughs> it's Mindy. not going to work. It's not going to work <laughs> unless there's some thought. <laughs> some thought needs to be put into it. So, Candy, you honor <laughs> me because I, I assure you, you would have my top notch. Like I said, girl, I would get up and I would take my Adderall and you would have my absolute complete focus and I would plan the shit out of it like from 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 like second one until the very last second there wouldn't be a there wouldn't be a single detail left to question or left to mystery and I'm not a snitch I you know I pride myself if somebody called me and be like I killed somebody I'd be like okay well why would they do like, you know what I mean like, I'm that kind of friend so you know allegedly allegedly allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. I to so the FBI agent who is currently assigned to me I you know have not participated in any robbery rings nor have I helped someone like cover up a murder but I, I pride myself in being the kind of person to be like okay snitches get stitches we, we're not gonna fold here we nobody's gonna be nobody's nobody's snitching on anyone like and if we gotta take out somebody so harriet if you get in weak harriet well we can deal with you like you know what i mean sometimes you gotta make tough practical choices when you have a criminal enterprise so you honor me candy because i was gonna tell you you might also want to add like griselda blanco because you know she was <laughs> like we need some I mean, peace I mean, the queen of cocaine trafficking. So I feel like <laughs> you could probably, if you're looking for like, you know, like domination, like global domination, yes. you could probably have like a whole ring of like, <laughs> of, of like, you know, little robbers just hitting, you know, hitting licks and whatnot. So, but you honor me with that. I would, you would get my utmost attention and support. I would wholeheartedly go into it. So thank you. I'm um, running to you, Jocelyn. Exposure, exposure. Where is it? Where is the exposure? <laughs> exactly. Because I'd be like, okay, y'all. I'd be like, we got it. We got a scenario that we would have scenarios. It'd be like, okay, so here are all the things that could happen, and this is these are all of our options. And so, amen. amen. It would. It would. Like I said, you would get. Like you would get my full. ADHD field focus. Um. That that comes with that when I like really commit to a project and like I said and that Adderall kicks in the way that old girl's supposed to kick in um so for me I love that you went with real people because I went with fictional characters so I love that we're getting a little bit of like variety here so I went with fictional characters my fictional team I said Annalise Keating because we need someone to work on an alibi I said Raquel Thomas from Raising Caney. Y'all, okay. we're going to talk about Raising Caney. We're going to do a pilot on that because Raising Caney comes back in December. So I want to do a pilot project. But Raquel is a queen pin. Like she has vision and ingenuity and a knack for the big picture. Like it's kind of like with Griselda in real life. Like if we wanted to take this thing and make it something bigger, Rock is the person that you would want on your team. I also... 
from the ghost, uh, the power universe. I had Tasha St. Patrick because you know what Tasha know how to do? Frame people and clean <laughs> and cook. Frame people, cook books and wash money. Well, so Tasha would be able to like come, help us come up with a plan. Like, okay, we got all this money from our robberies. How are we going to make it look legit? For, like tax purposes, how do we avoid like, you know, an audit from the, like Tasha 10 toes down. <laughs> I also had Cookie Lion because, you know, yeah. someone that had a head for the streets, good business, but a visionary and hella resourceful. And then to your point, Candy, which I think is an important point, I had Gemma Telemaro from Sons of Anarchy. And I specifically said, thinking about what you said about having muscle, I'm like, you need a rough and tumble person. You need somebody who isn't afraid to hit or shoot when necessary. Wow. And that person, <laughs> ideally would have the means to hide the bodies and Gemma would absolutely bring all those things to the table. So that would be my <laughs> fictional dream team for committing robberies. I think we probably do it. I think we got it. We could do it. We could do pretty well. We have to keep an eye on Tasha because she do like to frame a motherfucker. And if the heat gets on, she will probably try to frame somebody in the group and we might have to off her, but that's okay. But the rest of these women are like 10 toes down. Like I wouldn't have any questions about the loyalty of these other characters that I've, that I've decided to recruit into my fictional robbery ring. Nice. All right. So, la- oh wait, two more. Is it? No, I think this is the last. I can't remember. All right. I'm just going to say another. Uh, shits and giggles question. Um. Candy, in honor of Beth discovering Dean's affair, give me a favorite or memorable um, betrayal meltdown or reaction. It can be fictional. It can be a real one. Either way, Beth was impressive, but surely there's some others out there that we might want to reflect on. Girl, I am having, I was having such a blank. I was thinking about this all night because I feel like I have read and seen so many great moments and I can't pinpoint a single one. The only one I could really, because it was driving me crazy because that is my most favorite thing in life is women getting the last laugh. Mm-hmm. The only one that I could really think of, it was driving me crazy because I know I've seen a bunch. Now I just, when I need one, I can't think of it. But in the movie, The Long Kiss Goodnight, mm. uh, Charlie, uh, Gina Davis, is an assassin mm-hmm. that loses her memory, so she ends up being a housewife. It's a great movie. It's one of my most favorite movies of all time. I love that movie. But um, they, they've they tied her to a water wheel or some shit. They're trying to kill her. But she comes up out the water in slow motion with a gun in her hand and handles business. And I was like, yes, girl, get the last laugh, Charlie Baltimore. So that was yes. the only one that I could think of off the top of my dome. But I'm so, I want to hear yours because I am so mad at myself because I feel like there's so many and I just can't think of any at the. So listen, <laughs> I quite literally had the same struggle that you had because it's like I knew in my spirit. I'm like, I'm asking this question because surely there is one that sort of spoke to my soul. And I do have one, but I thought it was one that was so obvious that you would have it too. So I'm so glad that you went with Charlie Baltimore and, and I love the longest kiss goodnight. Like, isn't that, does that movie cover Christmas time? I feel like we should do that for, for the Christmas time I episode. I think it is a Christmas movie. Yes, I do. Yes, yeah. yes. So I feel like <laughs> let's do that movie as a Christmas um, episode. I, but I was like, so then I was like, maybe I made a mistake here and maybe I should have, framed it more so as like a revenge thing because then, <laughs> because I was like because the examples I was coming up with I was like okay but that's revenge I do but it's love not like revenge really... for women too I love it for women too amen <laughs> but I was like but it's not necessarily like betrayal 
meltdown reaction. But I had the one that I'm assuming a lot of people thought of, and it's Angela Bassett and Waiting to Exhale. Because hers, <laughs> it gave you everything. Yes, like, it did. you know, the influence. Like the yelling, the screaming, sort of that guttural screaming, the destruction of the clothes setting it on fire, fucking yes. up the car. But she, it was it was such a well-rounded meltdown because, I mean, my favorite part, as much as I love, like, the, you're the motherfucking improv, as much as I love all of that, I think my favorite part of her meltdown is when she rolls up to his job, busts in the boardroom, slaps a bitch he's fucking, and then goes <laughs> off on him. Because in these yeah. situations, like, should we be taking it out on the people they cheat with? Probably not. But I feel like in a perfect world, if it's like 100%, maybe you get a little know? bit of, maybe you could show lick back, like 5 to 10% and lick back against that bitch. Because yes. that bitch knew she was, she knew she, she was it. married. <laughs> yes. Just like Dean's little floozy knew he was fucking married, had four whole ass kids, not one kid, not two kids, not three kids. Four kids, bitch, and you opening up your legs, and you know her little stuff is all waxed and whatnot. Fucking, she just <laughs> fuck her. So that was just far more gracious and kind than I would have ever been because my preference would have been that waiting to exhale kind of thing when you roll up <laughs> and you slap that bitch and tell her get the fuck out your face and don't you ever fucking address me and like don't ever don't look at me don't say my name like you just you see me you need to turn your ass go the other fucking way because you need to assume that every time I see you there might be an ass whooping on deck bitch you need to live in fear and and you give her that energy yeah. And then you destroy him. Amen. So you and it my just... sisters, stand up, sisters, do it. Yes. <laughs> I want it for you. I want it for yes. every unsatisfied woman in life. I want it for every woman. Yes. That, that was the that best one that I could come up with. So you've been talking, Candy, about, you know, our dearest Annie hustling backwards. But I do have a hustling backwards question. Shout out to our regular coverage of The Last of Us, where we often talked about hustling backwards. <laughs> Y'all should listen to that because I, I question whether or not the, the decision not to eat giraffe meat is hustling backwards. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> on the topic of hustling backwards within this pilot, Candy, you decide to rob a grocery store with the girls. Are you taking the money only? I mean, it's a whole ass grocery store and food is expensive as fuck. Have y'all seen the prices of eggs and butter? Like, wh- how, what's, what's your plan? What's your plan? You gave us like a kick ass lineup. Because I'm going to tell you, as someone that you have recruited to be on your team, <laughs> we're taking more than the money. But I want to hear your POV on this. Like, when I come to you and I'm like, okay, but Candy, yeah, we're going to get this money, but girl, like, it's a grocery store. Like, I mean, I'm saying, have you seen the price of butter, girl? We finna get all the six of butter. Like, I mean, are you taking food or are you just going to be content with the money? Oh, we're getting that carry gold butter, baby. Yes. In this economy, in this economy, we are getting the groceries, which I feel like is hustling backwards because the point of a robbery is you want to be able to get away as quickly as possible. But I feel like in this economy, my friends, in this economy, as someone who waits until $5 Friday at Safeway to go shopping, Listen. As someone on a budget. <laughs> Listen. You're stuffing a ham down. Someone stuffing a ham down a pant is all I'm saying. 
I'm bring saying, your big well, purse. Bring your no. big back. What I'm saying is somebody gonna pull up a van right by the dough, <laughs> and then we're gonna have two people on the crew with shopping carts because do y'all we're know crab many, eggs tonight? Listen, do y'all know how many episodes of Supermarket Sweep that I have watched yes. in my lifetime? Yes, one of my favorite game shows of all time. <laughs> I have watched too many episodes of Supermarket Sweep to not apply those skills. Yes. To a grocery store hit. So yeah, we're going to get the money, but we're going to have a few folks we on the team. We're getting, <laughs> we getting steaks, we're getting crab legs, we're getting lobster. We're definitely getting all the seafood. The seafood, that's a wrap. And they're going to have like coolers in that van when they pull up because we're not letting <laughs> anything go to waste. Like it's going to be coolers and ice on deck, but we are taking it. We like, like Candy said, we taking the carrot gold butter. We are taking all of like the delicious dark chocolates, like any. And don't let the store have a wine and beer section, bitch, because we are hitting. Like we are taking a cross section of goods. Is, is all I'm saying. I'm not hitting the grocery store and not walking away with a ribeye. <laughs> Agreed. Yes, we eating tonight. We eating good tonight. Yes. 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 We eating good for several nights because Amen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna use this money I just robbed on food when I'm robbing a grocery store. Well. We gonna hit. We gonna do. We gonna multitask. Okay. Yes. We gonna expand our team. We gonna introduce some muscle and we gonna introduce some runners. Like y'all's whole job. There we go. There we go. Let me tell you something. Sit down. Let me give you the supermarket sweep strategy. <laughs> we need the map. No, no, you ain't even gonna need it at map because what I'm gonna tell you is listen, you runner number one, you go to aisle 10, you get all the crab legs. You runner number two, you go to aisle seven, you get all the steak. But bitch, you better start with the top row and get the ribeyes <laughs> and sweet bones and tomahawks first. Don't so come back in here with just a strip steaks are cool, but and sirloin <laughs> is too. But bitch, I want top shelf, okay? Hey. Top shelf we are doing that like i said supermarket sweep i watched too many episodes i could not let that go without us getting some food too candy we know that the one and done premise is bullshit right like if it would just be one and done you know <laughs> like it would, it would essentially be it, it like i said it works better for a movie like set it off i don't think it works for a series but you've assembled your dream team you have now expanded your operation to include delicious foods is this going to be a one and done hit for you and your team? Do you think you could actually resist the temptation of doing it again if you're successful? Okay, so the way my morals is set up is I am a real follower and I've said this many times. So I've always like people that do crimes. I'm always fascinated, especially people that like do crimes at work. I'm always fascinated that you can stay at the scene of the crime. I would be sweating. Yeah, that's true. So hard there. Like if I, if I were to do a crime, you would never see me there again because girl, what? <laughs> You're catching me. Give people the opportunity to catch you. So I feel like, pragmatically in my brain my brain would be screaming has to be one and done but I feel like also I can acknowledge that life is not one and done things rarely ever in life are going to go the way that you plan and I'm going to assume especially for crime it's not going to mm -hmm. go as you like or as you plan and it's not realistic to think one and done yeah, Candy, as, as someone who has voted onto your team, you will have to stay at work because if you yeah. quit, it makes it look, you look more suspicious. So we, we will have to talk to you and be like, girl, you can quit, but you're going to have to at least ride this out for like a month or so before. No, I, I would, 
Inside, I would be like, the smart thing would be one and done, but I would acknowledge that there's going to need to be follow-up and things in life's going to happen. People going to have bills pop up that was unexpected. I'm down for the long haul. So for me, I think I've seen set it off. I, I, I know, you know, the better approach is you got to hit your lick and get the hell get out. Get out, yes. Um, especially if you didn't get caught, I would be more inclined to just consider it a win and shut it down. Because the one thing that I always, when I think about like criminal enterprises, it's like, how do you live with that stress? Mm. Like, yeah, you're getting, you're getting the things you want, but like that's, I don't know that I could live like that. Right. So I would be like, listen, to your point, life is going to life. I'm probably going to need more money than this. You know, it's going to make an, you know, immediate difference, but maybe six months from now, maybe sooner, I'm going to be like, damn, I could probably use another infusion, but I'd be like, but okay, as much as I need this infusion, I don't need to stress. I need to be asleep at night. I need to be like naked in my bed at night and not think that the cops are going to bust in and catch me naked. (laughs) Like it's a whole, like, like, I don't know that I could live with that stress. Mm -hmm. But either with the team that you've assembled or the team that I've assembled, if someone came to me and gave me like a rock solid plan for how we do this again, especially if it's in a different area, right, where people can't like sort of draw similarities, I might get on board for another one. But I think generally I'd be like, I got away with this. I can't believe I did. I'm just going to cut my losses and just... You know, I'm going to take what I get. I'm going to eat the steaks. I'm going to enjoy the ribeyes that I stole. <laughs> my little extra infusion of cash. And um, then I'm going to go back to the grind. I want to say that's how I would approach it. But I could be open to, to doing more. But I would need to hear. I, I have to have a lot of conversation. It would take a lot to get me to do it again. Because <laughs> like I said, it's just it's a level of stress and unrest and uncertainty. I don't do well in uncertainty. I don't function well or thrive in that. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 part of me, would, I, I don't know, that would, that would be a super, that would be an issue. All right, y'all. So that's the end of our shits and giggles uh, segment, which I think was super fun. I mean, we talked about everything from the trauma of hair removal to like well. fantasy, like crime rings <laughs> and, and, you know, stealing crab legs to supermarket sweep. Um, Candy, I was going to ask you like what your final verdict is, but you obviously love good girls. So I'm going to, I'm going to change the question a little bit and I'm just going to ask you, cause typically what I would ask Candy, if this was like, you know, we did this with Spartacus, which you should listen to. And we did this with the Rome episode, which you should also listen to mm-hmm. because Candy hadn't watched those. And I bet I knew Candy continued on. So I asked her like, okay, you know, what do you think? But here we know this is a show that Candy was all in on from day one. So rather than saying sort of were you enticed to keep watching, my question is, Candy, just tell others why they should keep watching. Right. So the pilot only scratches the surface. Like, and I'm going to say, like, I don't think people, because I, and to be fair, I feel like by the by the third season, I don't think the writers knew where it was going either. <laughs> so, yeah. You are going to go on very wild travels with each character, with each family. Stuff is going to happen that you never would have thought after seeing these women in the pilot. I, I talked a little bit about Ruby and Stan's marriage. So much happens in their marriage and lives. Same thing with Beth and Annie too. Like, it is a, this show is a wild ride. It is a journey. So you are going to want to see 
ever, like so much stuff happens throughout the course of this show. And there are very, and there are a lot of moments when women get the last laugh and I fucking love it for them. So it's a good show. Uh, I, you know, near the end, I was confused and that's why too, I was pissed that it got canceled because there was a lot more that needed to be said and done. Mm-hmm. So it was very pissed that it was canceled. NBC is a killer as a murderer of television and I will never forgive them for so many shows. But I get into it. It was a great, it was a good watch. So, yeah. And, and Candy, is there anything you, else you want to say? Like, I, I don't have anything else to add. I completely agree with everything that Candy said. I love the show. Like, I told y'all, I'm in a stretch right now where I've got a long list of shows that I loved. And I'm just like, we're going to talk about the, <laughs> like, we're going to talk about the shows <laughs> one way or the other. So, I don't have anything else to add. But Candy and I, before we uh, started recording, I know Candy has, you know, a lot of feelings about like the the, the cancellation of the show. In my opinion, was quite unceremonious. I I, I wish that the show had found a new home, right? Would have continued. So, I guess like what I am going to say is like, if you don't want to hear, I guess, sort of the dynamics and the business of it all, skip ahead like two minutes. But I, I want to sort of shut up and give Candy the floor to let the chopper spray in terms of the unceremonious ending and all of the behind-the-scenes dynamics that went into that. So if you are skipping ahead, start, do it two minutes and start now, Candy. <laughs> okay, so real quick, if you if you watch this show, so the show was really canceled the fourth season, and it happened when... <sighs> I don't remember, I don't know if it was a cliffhanger exactly, but there was so much unfinished business within the show itself. And I was in these Twitter streets. I was So I was a big fan of the show. I was watching the show from the jump. And a lot of people turned on the actor, Manny Montana. He plays Rio. And I feel like a lot of people turned on Manny because um, I guess the actor's got the heads up that the show was being canceled and the women uh so the stars are christina Hendricks, may whitman and uh, retta they were i guess they were scrambling and working behind scenes to try to keep the show on and it disgusts me that no other uh, studio picked it up like especially freaking netflix i was shocked that netflix didn't pick it up considering the other shows that they've picked up that weren't even half as good yeah but um so I think the three actresses went on a campaign to save the show and that they were willing to take pay cuts or do whatever it would take to keep the show on. But see, the thing is, I think with Manny, I think he had done this before the show was going to be canceled, but he had asked in the past to get paid more. Yep. Candy, wait, let me stop you right there. Hey, babies, if you skipped ahead two minutes, sorry, we're still talking about this. So I'm going to say skip ahead three minutes. minutes. So no, 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 I'm going to, no, no, no. I don't want to rush you. Three more minutes. Um, Because even if you skip ahead three minutes and you miss something, you're going to miss sort of my like closing, like, hey, give me your, you know, so three minutes uh, starting now. Okay, Candy, sorry. So I think before it was announced that it was canceled, um, Manny had asked for more money because by the third season, he was a lead. Yeah. Rio was a main character. He was in nearly all of the episodes and he, he was a lead. And I think he wanted to be paid as a lead, which I feel like is not unreasonable. He was no. in damn near every episode by that point. Now, 
what I what pissed me off is the fact that this is a show that was led by three women. All of those mm-hmm. women are stars. Christina Hendricks, Mae Whitman, and Retta are all stars. These are all leading women. They're all stars. They shouldn't have had to take a pay cut, period. It made no sense to me why the stars would have to take a pay cut. They shouldn't have canceled the show. And if even if they were, if there was a negotiation to keep the show on, it shouldn't have been to cut the legs off the whole reason why you have a show. Those three women are the stars of the show. So yes. I don't know. I, I thought I was... I was confused by the vitriol that this man was getting for asking for something that was unreasonable and why there wasn't more vitriol against the studio. I feel like, why aren't y'all mad at the studio? Like, these women shouldn't have to get a pay cut, period. They are the stars. They're the reason why there's a show. Like, why should it be a big deal if number six on the call sheet wants to move up a little more when he's doing, I don't know, so... I just, I feel like people were really hating on Manny and I feel like some people were blaming him for the show being canceled. And I'm like, girl, he is just like one small part. It just, it pissed me off more that they treated these women because they never would have, they would never cut George Clooney's salary on ER. They would never do that to a man. They did it to three women and it made me very angry. And I wished more people would acknowledge that that was the messed up part. Yeah. Nope. I completely no. agree. And for those That's of y'all that listen, I'm going to close it out. Uh, <laughs> I've got like 30 seconds to do this. Some of you are going to be like, yeah, but like some of the, le- some of those leads kind of, Pointed the blame at Manny too, and we acknowledge that, and we know that. But I think hey, our point is that's their right to do. They they're right, behind the right, scenes. They know what's right. going on. Right, but the larger issue is that none of them should have been in that position. That's mm-hmm. the point. Is that it's that is still more indicative of an issue with this with the studio, and that no one should have been put in that position. Okay, so we are right at that three minutes. Skip ahead. And Candy, <laughs> tell folks, and y'all, that's the end. No more spoilery talk. Uh, Candy, <laughs> tell folks where they can find and follow you on social media. Oh, wait, let me just say, in case you're new, we have the third segment coming up. It's going to be super quick because I'm going to keep this right at two hours and we're cutting, we're hitting right against that. But before we get to our final segment, which is the third segment, Candy, where can folks find and follow you on social media? So I am only in these, I have all of the socials. My name is the same and everything. So very tired. S the number zero, very tired. But I'm going to be honest. I'm only um, hanging around these abandoned Twitter streets because that is where my community is. And also I have, so I have watched all of Good Girls. So if you would like to talk about it, (laughs) hit me up. I loved this show. So. Yes, yes, yes. And you can find this podcast at More Wine Pot. Um, as with Candy, same for me. Um, listen, I haven't downloaded a Twitter update in like years, so like it's still <laughs> it, it's still a bird on God my phone. It's still Don't Twitter. Do it. Don't do it, girl. Um, so I'm not. It's still the X. Knock on wood, and I can still use it. But the pod is still most active on IG, Twitter, and Tumblr at More Wine Pod. All right. First segment, y'all, if you're new, each week we shift from wholesome thoughts to our less than wholesome thoughts inspired by the property that we're covering. These prompts, they're thirsty, they're lusty, they are, they are, they come from our loins and they usually involve someone that we think is hot from the property that we've watched or I will ask for sort of larger crushes in the context of a, of a, of a thirst prompt. But very quickly, Candy, give me a thirst picks from Gut Girls. Whole series is fair game, given that the pilot, it's about, it's a little under an hour, but it's a short one. But you can go whole series because 
we may preview actors and actresses for you, but we're not going to talk about like what they did. But who's who's on your thirst list from, from Good Girls? So, in sticking to what I was talking about earlier, my thirst was Manny Montana. He mm-hmm. like, and I'm, and I feel like people that know me might be surprised because I often don't. I normally I don't like the bad boy trope of like good girls love bad boys. I'm always like, no, they need to get away from me. I don't like bad men but i girl i manny montana's well, portrayal of rio manny, uh, i say manny is the person rio is the character yo. Candy said manny so anyone else candy he was i'm just saying the like his voice his the way that he played rio and since we're um we're at the end uh he uh gets a little uh frisky with um a member of the cat of the uh, yep, and that's where we're gonna cut it off because we don't right. spoil it. So, Candy, even say somebody it's else, very, so I'm gonna cut you off there so I can get hot. mine done because we got less than 10 minutes. Okay, <laughs> I've got four, and I'm not even gonna give you rationale because we're up against time. Christina Hendricks, Manny Montana, James Leisure, or Lesur, I don't know how you say his last name, and Zach Guilford. If you don't know those names, Google them, you'll know which characters they play. All right, second and final prompt. In honor of Good Girls Gone Bad, which is what this pilot episode is about, and it's kind of the premise of this show, Candy, give me your favorite Good Girls Gone Bad. They can be fictional, historical, I do not care, but, and more than one is okay. I'm not really looking for rationale, but just give me, give me your mix. Give me, who's, who's your Good Girls Gone Bad? Um, I'm going to say Beyonce. I feel like in the beginning of Destiny's Child and in her career, she is very proper and very, um, Disney Channel, I feel like she felt like she had to be. And it has been a joy to see Sasha Fierce do whatever she wants. I feel like she does whatever she wants now in her career and her life, and I love it. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, I was just keeping it simple. Yeah. <laughs> do you have anyone else on your list? <laughs> no, my she's like my favorite uh turn that I've seen recently, Beyonce. Okay. I agree. I listen. I love me some Sasha, Sasha Fierce. And there's this thing going around on Twitter right now about how, like, there's a point where Beyonce didn't, like, even use curse words. And then she just shifted to, who the fuck you think I is? And it's like, <laughs> yes, yes, queen. Yes, yes. So I think a perfect and very fitting fit. As I thought about this prompt, I was like, okay, so I think my list is a hybrid. Some of them are good girls gone bad, but I think some of them are good girls gone bad ass. And frankly, okay. I know my whole list of good girls gone bad ass. So yes. I'm going to be super, super quick. So for my fellow Sons of Anarchy fans, I have Tara Knowles because Tara, she went on a journey, y'all. But when she leaned into that old lady, she got badass. And I just love Maggie Siff and think she's gorgeous and beautiful. And we've been talking about Mad Men sort of sporadically. And Maggie Siff was also on Mad Men, although I'm like, if you want to dig into Maggie Siff, you need to go watch her run on Sons of Anarchy, which is mm-hmm. way more satisfying and much lengthier than her run on Mad Men. Um, but it, this also kind of took me down a trip down memory lane as I was thinking about fictional characters. So, Legend of Billie Jean, uh, starring Helen Slater. Y'all, if you've watched that movie from the 80s with Billie Jean, I'm not going to get into it, but Billie Jean was somebody fire with fire. Like, she was trying to do the right thing. They painted her as a bad girl, but she was just a girl girl on badass but i love 
the legend of Billie Jean had the biggest crush on Helen Slater. So she, when she like, you know, shaved off the hair and did the buzz cut, like that yeah. movie is fucking everything. If y'all haven't seen the legend of Billie Jean, I don't know what Helen Slater's life is like today or what her politics are. So I'm not endorsing <laughs> any of that. I don't know. I just feel like I kind of have to put that disclaimer out there. But I like legend of Billie Jean. Um, I'm going to also go back to our roots because in the early days we talked about this show and this is my controversial pick, but Daenerys Targaryen, because fuck it. Hey. You know what? <laughs> I know people felt a kind of way and felt like she became mad queen and did whatever, but I'm like, I don't know. You killed my best friend, Miss Sandy. I don't know what the fuck y'all thought. I, I quite literally saved this whole kingdom from certain destruction from the threat beyond the wall. And how did you bitches repay me? With misery, betrayal, and killing my bestie? Yes, I, I have said it on this podcast multiple times. Don't, I should never have the power of a dragon because I would disappoint y'all. So in that spirit, I am I stand with you, Daenerys, because I would be burning some shit down too. Fuck it. Um, Candy and I recently talked about Spartacus, and I want y'all to listen to that episode of Spartacus. So in the spirit of Spartacus, in terms of good girls gone badass in Navia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Point, point, point blank, period. If it's a, it's a, if you know, you know. If you watch Spartacus, you know why I said Navia. Another badass that Candy and I talked about. Y'all should just listen to, you should listen to everything. But what I'm telling you is Candy and I, we deliver the hits on hits. The hits are sick like grits. Like we are talking about like amazing shows. Desna Sims and the Ladies of Claws. I don't know a better example of Good Girls Gone Bad. Like, Oh, hello. (laughs) And nostalgically, going back to a movie, shout out to Dora Lee Rose, Violet Newstead, and Judy Burnley. If you don't recognize those names, then you need to go watch the film 9 to 5. Shout out to Dolly Parton and Moderna. Okay. And Candy, I love that you said Beyonce, Sasha, because I've got a similar pick. But you know who mine is? Did you really? It is Janet Demita Joe Joe Jackson, who went from the baby girl, you know, the young sister, the young little sister in the Jackson clan, sweet, precious, innocent baby, sweet, innocent Janet, to like, do you mind locking up people, you know, you know, the bondage, the, 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 just all of the Janet that we know and love today. I love her growth. I love her layers. And she is, to me, my epitome of good girl gone bad ass. Not necessarily good girl gone bad. So, all right. Sorry, Candy, for rushing that, but I'm trying to get this right too, and we're at 156. (laughs) Daniel, kick off that closing music. As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode of I'm Need More Wine. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and tell everyone you know to do the same. I don't ask y'all for money. I don't ask y'all for any of that stuff. But... What I do ask you is that if you just kindly leave a five-star review on, on whatever platform you listen to us. And again, shout out to my babies over at Spotify for the Q&As. I need to go and check in and, and publish the last, the latest round of Q&As on that. But please, please, please leave a five-star review. Feel free to subscribe. Check out recent episodes. Candy and I have talked about Spartacus Rome. Um, I had an episode with Jake Giles on Justified City Primeval, which was amazing. Um, also recent episodes on the bear pitch, how to get away with murder. And then I've got classic cult faves like episodes on Shameless and Teen Wolf. We have an assortment of offerings in the catalog and they are all amazing and you should go check them out. And again, you can find this pod on social media at more wine pod. 
Send longer feedback and comments to morewinepod at gmail.com. Candy, thank you for joining me. Can't wait to our next conversation. We're going to do something else funny. And I'm going to work. I'm going to keep working through my list of faves. <laughs> Y'all are getting like the Jocelyn's yeah. greatest hits. And so we're going to keep that ball rolling and hope that these actors get you know the, the powers of be get these actors their deals i was just thinking about how like halloween is coming up and i need to watch my favorite candy zombies episode of Avril Mary. i need to watch my sweet sweet precious baby thanos which by the way if you're an avid elementary fan you need to hear me and candy talk about both seasons of that show check the feed more wine pod dot buzzsprout.com or anywhere you stream podcast thank you all for listening candy thank you for joining me this has been super super fun and i can't wait to do it again and we will see y'all when i see y'all we'll check y'all next time bye Audio Podcast Network.